good to be with you guys today. We're uh, in week two of our uh, sermon series called Rooted. And uh, last week, Pastor Cindy started. She had a message called Plant. And if you recall, uh, she planted uh, some seeds. And uh, as you can see, uh, that was planted in very good soil. I wish everything we planted would grow like that, don't you? Yeah. You know, actually, it makes a kind of a good point, right? Because, I mean, okay, you know, those are not those seeds, right? We, we bought another plant and put it in to make the point, because today we're going to talk about growing. But, but here, and I'll get to the lesson, but here's the thing. Growing takes time, doesn't it? Okay? I wish everything we planted in the garden, you know, like one week later, fruit. Right? You know, that would, that would be great, right? Farmers growing corn, can you imagine? You know, plant it, in, plant it in the ground, and a week later come by and there's ears ready to, you know, pull. But growth takes time. And so today we're going to be talking about that. Um, you know, we, we mentioned last week, but Jesus often taught using agricultural imagery, right? And he did that because so many people back in those days, uh, agriculture was their way of life. That was not, they grew their own food. They also grew food uh, with the idea of getting a, a crop to harvest and then sell it in the marketplace uh, in order to earn a living. So before we go any further today, uh, let's read today's passage of scripture. That's going to be found in 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 3, verses 5 through 9. 1 Corinthians 3, 5 to 9. This is Paul talking, and he says, uh, What, after all, is Apollos, and what is Paul? Only servants through whom you came to believe, as the Lord has assigned each his task. I planted the seed, Apollos watered it, but God has been making it grow. So neither the one who plants nor the one who waters is anything, but only God who makes things grow. The one who plants and the one who waters have one purpose. And they will each be rewarded according to their own labor. For we are co-workers in God's service. You are God's field, God's building. Okay, let's start off with a real simple question. We're all going to get this one right, okay? So, once a seed is planted, right, what do you expect it to do next? Grow. Grow. Right, okay, that was a, that was a gimme, wasn't it? We, but we expect it, we put it in the ground, we, we got the soil ready, we put the seeds in the ground just according to the rules on the package, you know, one-eighth of an inch deep, you know, three inches apart. We, we did all that stuff, and we go away, and when we come back some days later, what we're expecting is to see something poking up through the ground. We're expecting to see growth. Okay, we expect that, and we expect it to grow and ultimately produce fruit or a flower or, you know, whatever the seed was, right? Okay. Okay, it's like that with us. When you and I first heard the message of salvation, the good news about Jesus, those seeds of the word landed in some type of soil, right? And just like the seeds that were planted in this pot right here, okay, uh, they need good soil in order to prosper. The seeds of the word of God need to land on an open heart, on an open heart of good soil, rather than a hard heart that's closed to the healing and redeeming love of God. Today we're going to focus 
uh, and discuss on what makes those seeds of faith in our life grow. Okay, first thing we need to recognize is that spiritual growth in our lives does not come by human effort. First Corinthians, we just read, we've seen that the early church, if you, we remember the background of this, the letters of First and Second Corinthians, the early church was kind of getting into some quarreling, okay, some disagreement about different aspects of faith. In fact, um, the, the, the things they were arguing about got to be such a problem that Paul felt the need to write some, the letters to help address and correct the things that were causing problems, and that's what we know as First and Second Corinthians. One of the specific arguments that they were having was over which leaders they should follow. Now, they apparently, you know, they must some competition or, you know, some popularity contest. Or, but apparently, they must have felt that some leaders were better than others or more effective than others or better speakers than others or I don't know. You know, wh whatever it is, it causes people to have preferences, okay? So Paul wrote to them that to make sure that they understood that all of these leaders, these teachers, these men who had, who had led them forward in their faith were just simply servants of God and that arguing over was one more worthy than the other was a bad idea. That was wrong. And that's why Paul said in the verses we read earlier that one person plants, another person waters, but it's God who makes things grow. Look, your spiritual growth and mine is not the result of any human effort. It's only God that makes it grow. Okay. Question for you. Uh, so if we would agree that it's God who makes the seeds in our life, our spiritual growth, makes it grow, can you think of any other area of your life where in spite of the best human effort, the outcomes are actually totally dependent upon God? Can you think of any others? What would they be? Anger. Anger. Okay. Healing. Healing. Yeah. I mean, how many of you have had anything wrong with you that was serious enough that you needed to go to the doctor? I mean, like big time, you know, it was like important you go to the doctor, okay? And the doctor either gave you some kind of treatment or gave you some kind of medicine or gave you a shot, right? Did you take it? I mean, did you let the guy, you know, let him give you the shot or give you the treatment? Yeah. But if you got well, who healed you? God, right? I mean, really, some of us have had some pretty serious things wrong with us over the last number of years, okay? And we may go to the best place we know and get all the best treatment we can find. But if we're honest with ourselves, the miracle of healing is from God. Now, I'm going to go to the doctor. I'm going to take the shot. I'm going to take the medicine. But I understand that that's just human effort doing what I can do. Right? But the healing comes from God. That's why 1 Corinthians 3.9 said, For we are co-workers... In God's service. We have a role to play. You are God's field. You are God's building. Okay, so let's remember that God sees us as his field. God sees us as his field. Okay, that requires the right environment for growth. Look, from God's point of view, growth is not optional. 
But it is conditional. It's conditional. The condition is that we need to live and act like a coworker. God expects you to grow, and he will do his part. The question for each of us we have to face is, will we do our part? Right? Will we do our part? The fact is, he sees every human heart as a field with the potential to bear fruit. The problem comes when we become complacent or lazy in our relationship with God. The behavior, you know, because when we become complacent or lazy, that kind of behavior then does not create the right environment. It's not conducive uh, to growth. Spiritual growth is just like natural growth in that it requires the right kind of environment. Look, wouldn't it be kind of unreasonable to think that an apple tree would grow in the middle of the Sahara Desert? I mean, that'd be pretty amazing if it did, right? Okay, but I mean, but but why wouldn't it grow there? Well, really hot. Okay, it's probably too hot. It's too dry, right? Soil's not good, right? I mean, so if if you planted one there, you just you really couldn't expect to get any fruit from it, could you? Okay, same way, a follower of Jesus to experience that fruitful, productive life as a disciple of Jesus, it isn't going to happen if we're constantly immersed and living in an environment that is sinful and acting on behaviors that are unhealthy for us. Because if we do that, we're, it's like we're, leaving, we're, we're shutting the gate to the field. It's like we're leaving God with a field uh, with no access to do the work. 1 Corinthians 3, 1 and 2 spoke to that about the lives of the Corinthians. Paul said, brothers and sisters, I could not address you as people who live by the Spirit, but as people who are still worldly, mere infants in Christ, with sinful behaviors and unhealthy activities. Uh, I gave you milk, not solid food, because you were not ready yet for it. Indeed, you are still not ready. Look, it's our responsibility to take the necessary steps in our lives to become agents of change that God intends for us to be. So if, it's, if we have a role to play to be co-workers with God in our spiritual growth, what are some of the things that you and I can do? What are some of the behaviors? What are some of the actions then that we can take that's kind of our part? Right? That's that the, our part of being a co-worker with God. What, what are the kind of things we can do? Yeah, Lisa? We can study the Bible on our own and with other people. Great. We can study the Bible. Reading the Bible, studying the Bible is, is something we can do. It's a choice we make, right? Yeah. What else can we do? Pray. We can pray. We can spend time with God. What else do you think? Spend time with people, like here on Sunday morning, yeah. in fellowship. Yeah. Anything else? We can, we can know. We can do. We can actually act on, not just be hearers of the word, right? We need to do it, too. We need to do what it says. Yeah, I mean, these are all great things, right? We can, we can when we read God's word and we act on it, then we're like acting in wisdom, right? We're walking in wisdom, uh, you know, we can come here on Sunday morning. I mean, the, the, we can immerse ourselves in a community of believers. Okay? 
Uh, we can dedicate time to reading God's word every day. We can spend time in prayer. We can worship when we're here. And, you know, this isn't song time on Sunday morning. I mean, do you get the difference? This isn't song time. This is worship. Okay? And we can, we can worship God with all our heart. And, you know, one of the other things we can do, and it was kind of said, I'll just say a little differently, is we can also regularly be evaluating our lives, what we're doing, what we're saying, how we're acting. We can do that against the plumb line of God's word. Right? If we, if we are constantly, regularly looking at our lives against the truth of God's word, against that plumb line, it will make it pretty easy for us to understand if we've migrated off to one side or the other so that we can come back. Look, Paul spoke to this in Colossians 2, verses 6 and 7. He said, so then, just as you receive Christ Jesus as Lord, continue to live your lives in him, rooted and built up in him, strengthened in the faith as you were taught and overflowing with thankfulness. Paul's essentially saying, keep on doing the things you were doing when the seeds of the gospel were first planted in you. Those things created growth. Those things, those things helped to prepare you for growth, and so you need to keep doing them. That means continue living in him. Root yourself in Christ by reading the Bible every day. Spend time in fellowship with other followers of Jesus so that you can encourage one another, and then continue regularly in prayer and worship. You're all here, so everybody can breathe easy as I say this, right? Okay? But, but church attendance on Sunday morning should be a priority in your home. It really ought not need to be a decision that's made every week about, oh, well, we go to church tomorrow. We, we need to be together because the truth of it is you and I need everything that goes on here on Sunday morning as part of our preparation for being co-workers with God. Sunday morning is also not a spectator sport. It's not a performance to observe. It is a place for us to actively engage ourselves. Praising God, worshiping on every song, actively listening to the message, making notes, and seeing what God wants to do in each of our lives. It's our opportunity every week to join together with other people that are here. And when we come together, what we have is not only an opportunity to sing and praise God together, but we have an opportunity to encourage one another, to pray for each other, to be actively involved in each other's lives. And then on Thursday evening, I, I would really encourage you, we all need to be a part of the Thursday evening all-church Bible study. We ought to be there with our camera on, our Bible open, and our hearts ready you know, to receive because the discussion is awesome. First of all, the focus, you know, we're not talking about politics or we're not talking about, you know, sports activities, okay? We're talking about God's Word. And when we're in God's Word, that's something we can all agree on, okay? We can all agree on. And when we talk about God's Word together and we see how it applies to our lives, I don't care how long any of us have been followers of Jesus, every week I think those of us that participate in it learn something. We get something. There's some, it may be one thought out of the whole time, but there's something that at least every time we do that, I come away going, that was a new thought. I hadn't really ever thought of it that way. That was really good. 
And we know that will happen because the Bible promises it will happen when we meet together like that. Because Proverbs 27:17 tells us, as iron sharpens iron, so one man sharpens another. One person sharpens another. When we meet together and we discuss God's word, it sharpens us. It, it, rubs, it rubs off the rough spots in my life. And will anyone else admit you have a few rough spots that might need a little, you know, a little sanding, a little, a little rubbing off? No, but just think about that. When we meet together and we talk about God's word and what it does is it brings up to top of mind some of the truths of God's word that maybe you knew it before, but you just haven't thought about it in a while. And now you're talking about it. You go, oh man, I should be applying that in my life. And so it kind of rubs off those rough spots and it gives us some, some ideas about things you could do differently tomorrow. That's the practicality of God's word. And so... That ought to be a high priority to join and contribute and learn as the Holy Spirit leads us. Um, the other thing, if we want to grow spiritually, and I know this could sound strange, okay, to our you know, modern minds, okay, but is that we really ought to view life's adversities as an opportunity for growth. Okay? You know, look, I... I, I uh, while our lives, right, ought to overflow with gratitude and thankfulness, right? And I think a lot of us do. There's no doubt that all of us go through some tough stuff. We go through some seasons of difficult times in our lives. And I don't need to ask you to raise your hand. I know we've all been through it. Some of us are going through seasons of difficulty right now. Okay, and I am not trying to minimize or ignore that at all when I talk about spiritual growth. But here's the good news. We, we know it's going to happen but there's a greater truth in the Bible. In John 16, 33, Jesus told the people around him, he said, in this world, folks, you will have trouble. So I, I, right now, in case you weren't clear on that, we, you will have trouble. We will have trouble. There are going to be some folks that aren't going to treat you right. There's going to be some people that take advantage of you. There's going to be some situations that you don't understand why you're going through. There's going to be health issues. Does that make sense? That, I mean, we, I'm not saying we need to like them, but I'm just saying we can't really be surprised because Jesus said it. In this world, you will have trouble. Okay? But then he said, but take heart. I have overcome the world. The Bible, man, and some of us know this well, some of us are learning it. But the Bible never promised us, promised us an easy life. Everybody say, everybody, I could get an amen to that, right? Everybody say amen. The, the Bible never promised, but, but Jesus has promised that he will give us the strength to get through the issues and problems, all the challenges of life, and he will walk with us. He's also promised us that growth will come as a result of us handling those adversities according to his word and according to his plan. We know that because James 1.12 says it promises this. Blessed is the one who, pers who perseveres under trial because having stood that test, that person will receive the crown of life that the Lord has promised to those who love him. Look, some of the adversities we face also can come from a different direction. Uh, 
some of it comes from criticism from others, especially people close to us. It's easy. Uh, have you know? Okay. Have you noticed how easy it is to find what's wrong with folks you know real well? The better you know them, the easier it is to find things to criticize. Why? Because you know all about them, right? You know what's great, and you also know, you know what's not great. Okay? But we need to be careful about becoming people who live in criticism. Because let me tell you, who loves that a lot? The enemy does. Satan loves it when you dish out some criticism on someone else. And why does he love it? Because he knows how powerful and damaging it can be. He knows it can cut down to the soul of that person, especially someone close to you, right? We're, we're, the closer the person, the more damaging, the more important your choice of words are because your words have so much power in those people's lives. The other thing that can happen then as we go through adversities, if we're not careful, we can start to get uh, critical of God, can't we? We, if we're honest, we can start to get critical of God, thinking that somehow he's wronged us or he's let us down in some specific way. Um, God says he'll answer our prayers. You know, one of the hard things in our faith is, is waiting for the answer. And sometimes we can get angry, critical, frustrated with God because he doesn't move on my timeline, doesn't move on your timeline. But there's nowhere in Scripture God ever promised that he would move on our timeline. Did he? But he has said he'll hear our, he'll hears our prayers. And we know, okay? So it's, it's learning to handle those things correctly. Um, so, the, when, so here's the deal. When, whenever you're going through, and maybe you're there right now, maybe you are in the middle of one of the more difficult periods of your life. If you are, or when you are, the enemy will do his best to cause you to withdraw. He will, cause, he will do his best to cause you to want to pull back, to like shut everything out, and just do this. The, boy, if you're feeling that way, or you've experienced that, then what I want you to understand is that is precisely the time you need to spend extra time reading God's Word and in prayer. You need to immerse yourselves. In, in as much of God's word as you can because it will help keep your thinking from going off in a way that will be non-productive and in a, in a way that the enemy, you know, it's a music to his ears, okay? The other thing, when you go through those difficult times, besides spending time in God's word and reading his word, is that is a great time to be in fellowship. That, that is not the time to, I feel bad, so I think I'll stay home. That is the time you need to be here more than any because you need the encouragement. You need the fellowship of other people in your lives. Sometimes, I don't know, have you ever been at a time in your life when you went to church and maybe the most important thing that happened that morning for you, and I'm not trying to be unspiritual here, but was you saw a smiling face. I got to tell you, there was one period in my life, I won't go back to the whole story, but where, where I went to church one Sunday morning, new town, new church, went to church, and I got to tell you, I'd been going to church all my life. I, I, didn't, I didn't honestly go there looking to hear a great message or hear good music. I needed to see some friendly people who might talk to me. Okay? And when I got there and they were that way, I was like, I love this place. You know? I'm a stranger. I walked in and they didn't treat me like a stranger. They, you know, they talked to me. 
And you know, but then that caused me to get involved there. And I mean, there, we need to understand that part of our being here, yes, it's spiritual growth, but sometimes I just need to be here for you and you just need to be here for me because I just need to have somebody say, hey, good morning, good to see you, glad you're here. You know, we, we actually have an important role to play in each other's lives that feeds into the fact, remember, it says growth, my growth, your growth is not our job, that's God's job, but it is our job to get the field ready. Right? To get the field ready. And part of getting the field ready is being here and encouraging one another so that maybe a little later when we're singing or the message is being preached, that person's heart is open and able to receive it because maybe for the first time in 36 or 48 hours, somebody has said, hi, good to see you, and and not some critical word. Does that make sense? I mean, sometimes we think the things in our lives that are, are our part with other people have to be, oh, I led this great Bible study, or oh, I asked these really good questions. Oh, I did this really spiritual thing. And sometimes the most important thing we need to do is just be there. Just be kind. So, here's the really great news. When we handle these issues of adversity properly in our lives, when we walk through them the way God has equipped, given us tools to do and the ability to do, it can actually make you stronger. We can actually come through it stronger. Um, it's, it, can, it can, you know, strong winds make for strong roots. Okay? And we need to do that. So, look, right now, wherever you are in your spiritual growth, your spiritual life, you, uh, you may not be where you want to be, but I hope you could say, but by the grace of God, I'm not where I used to be. I'm, I'm further than I was. Still got a ways to go, but praise God, I'm still not back over there. Okay? And isn't it good to know that the growth is not your job? I mean, honestly, I'm thankful I'm not responsible for your growth or you for mine. That would be a heavy load, right? Okay, but that's God's job. But our part is to, with one another, to help cultivate that soil, to help make it ready, to help our lives be in a way that is conducive for growth. And then we trust God with the process, remembering all the time that we are God's field and that it's his desire and will to bring about that growth in us. Philippians 1.6 promises that he who began that good work in you will carry it on to completion. To completion. He doesn't leave you half finished. He will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. So, look, because we all want to grow, we'd all agree we all want to grow, right? Okay, let's just talk about this for a second. What are things then, what can we do to grow spiritually? That really becomes the question. Like, I'm going to leave here today. I want to grow. What should I do to help do my part? Well, the first thing is get yourself in a position to grow. We need to regularly evaluate our current environment, both physically and spiritually. If it's unhealthy, if it's a bad environment, if it's an unhealthy environment, if it's an environment that's not conducive to growth, and you want to grow, you got to change it. You just have to change it. you got to get out of the weeds and leave the bad soil behind. And that 
that comes into real practical things. That's making Sunday morning church and Bible study on Thursdays a priority. It's choosing to give thanks to God and praise even in tough times. And it's got to do with reading your Bible and praying daily. I mean, if we can't ignore those things and claim to be co-workers with God. So that's the first thing. We have to get ourselves in a position to grow. Second thing is don't try to go it alone. The enemy, Satan, will do his best to separate you from other people when you're going through a tough time. I mean, that is his number one. He's really good at that, folks. He is really good at that. And, you know, he will use all kinds of tricks, tools, methods, deceptions. I mean, just, look, things that you might not think about. He will use jobs and family distractions. He will use physical discomfort. He will use sickness. He will use bitterness. He will use offense at anything else if it will help take your time and focus off of your spiritual life. He would much rather you would sit at home and be angry and mad and thinking about, you know, all the things you'd do if you could. Okay? Don't let him win. Satan had a field day during the pandemic. He had a field day during the pandemic. He made people who had probably been regular involved in their church for years get really comfortable with staying home on Sunday morning. And he talked them in. He made them think it was a great idea uh, to now to either skip church altogether or to give up on the benefits that come from that face-to-face meeting with one another where the iron can sharpen iron. He has, he has gotten them to settle for an impersonal online alternative. I know I've said this several times this morning, but I'm telling you this because it's so important. The simple truth is you and I need regular fellowship with other believers. We just do. We're made that way. We, we need that in order to be spiritually healthy. It, we were never intended to do it alone, to go it alone. When we're together, I mean, I love it when we see people praying together after, after church, praying for someone, praying, encouraging one another. Okay? We need those times. Finally, we need to allow God access to work in our lives. Since, since he's the only source of growth, right? We need to allow him to do the work that he needs to do. We need to, that means we need to accept his corrections. And we need to accept his corrections as coming from a loving father, someone who wants the best for us. We need to determine in advance that we're going to persevere through the storms of life, that we're not going to give in to the lies of the enemy, and we're not going to get, you know, called off alone. And recognizing that those high winds make for strong roots, that we're going to let God do his work in us, and we're going to, we need to always remember that God, no matter what you're going through, as children of God, as followers of Jesus, we need to remember that God wants the absolute best for your life. His plans are never bad for you. Jeremiah 29.11 says, For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, and they are plans to prosper you, not to harm you. They are plans to give you hope and a future. So today, as we get ready to close here, um, I want you to believe that your life can change. 
I'm, that's, I'm, that's the challenge. Believe that your life can change, that, that you can grow through and beyond your current situation, your current circumstances, and that your part is to do the prep work. Your part is to get the soil ready, to be prepared, and put yourself in a position to grow. So now, would you guys stand with me as we, as we get ready to close? So whether you're watching online or you're here, just heads bowed, eyes closed, nobody looking around, here's the question for you today. Today, if you are ready to say, God, I commit to being a co-worker with you by doing my part. And that means, Lord, I'm going, to be, I'm going to commit to read my Bible daily. I'm going to commit, Lord, I want to regularly be attending and participating Sunday and Thursday. I, and, Lord, I want to give you my praise and worship even in tough times. I'm committing to this because I want to see spiritual growth in my life. If that's you and you want to commit to that, raise your hand. Lord, thank you. You've seen our hands. Father, today, God, I know you desire to see us grow. And I know, Lord, that all of us would say that who we are now was not who we were, but that, Lord, we know we want to be more than we are now. So, God, help us to recognize the areas of our life that need to be rearranged and reprioritized in order to create a healthy environment for growth. Lord, give us the strength to make the changes required so that you can have full reign in our lives and bring about that growth that we desire and as only you can do. Lord, because today, Father, we're saying we want to grow into the person that you actually created us to be. And we ask that, Lord, in Jesus' name. Now, may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him so that you may overflow with hope and the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen.